Welcome to Mental Money, the podcast that empowers minority women in business to unlock their financial potential. Get ready to shift your mindset, break through barriers, and transform your relationship with money. Join us as we dive into practical strategies, expert insights, and inspiring stories that will elevate your financial success. Whether you're a seasoned entrepreneur, aspiring businesswoman, or just starting your journey, this podcast is your go-to resource for mastering money and achieving true financial empowerment. Get ready to level up your mindset and maximize your money with mental money. Hi, this is Natalie. You're listening to the Mental Money Podcast. And today we have with us Gabby Kelly. Are you okay with going by Gabby? Yes. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, so Gabby's going to be talking to us today about finances, one of my favorite topics, money, 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 right? Mm-hmm. Um, because it's one thing to make money. It's another thing to keep money. And it's a whole other thing to understand the flow of money, how to keep money in your doors, um, and then just looking at it from a holistic point of view. So Gabby's going to give us insight into how to do that today. Yes. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Natalie. Of course. So talk to us a little bit about how you kind of found yourself in this space. A little bit yeah. about <laughs> That's such a good question. Uh, so I've been in accounting and finance for uh, almost 10 years. Uh, worked with clients in financial auditing, was you know in their books and working with their numbers, um, you know testing and ensuring documentation, do a lot of compliance work, um, and also some internal public company accounting. Uh, and when I have two daughters, uh, when I had my second. I really, during COVID, I really needed to take a break um, from the hustle and grind. And I um, started doing some part-time CFO consulting for tech companies and going back to client-facing work, especially entrepreneurs. uh, I found that many, even when people got cash infusions, like, um, you know, some fundraising, what they were lacking was an understanding of then what to do with it and how to manage it well. Mm-hmm. And um, throughout a year, a year and a half of doing that, I realized who I connected with the most, um, other women and moms in business, and that that's who I wanted to help primarily learn and feel more confident I financially fierce in managing their money well, mm-hmm. like you said, keeping it in their business, or at least um, knowing the purpose that it serves in their business. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that money, you know, for profit being set aside, is that money their owner's salary or owner's compensation? Um, are they saving for taxes? All of those those things, the purpose of their money in the business plus you know, an awareness of what they're spending money on. So uh, I feel like I've come, I started working with clients um, and never really found my sweet spot, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and then for me, having children really put a lot of um, things in perspective and reprioritize my life. So being flexible, having my own business, working with people that that I just love being around, and, and empowering them has really come full circle for me. That's awesome. That's actually really great. We're, we have somewhat similar backgrounds. Um, 
I wasn't in like the accounting space at all. It just, people just started asking questions and I was just like, oh, wait, this is a thing and there's a need here. So mm-hmm. interesting. Okay. So you, you mentioned something that is really actually timely as far as what people having a cash infusion into their business and not knowing what to do with it. Right. Mm-hmm. So we recently launched a $20,000 growth grant in support of minority women in business. And as a function of the grant, we also wanted to make sure that the, they understood how to write a proposal. That's a skill that they're going to be able to, that's transferable, right? So Mm -hmm. they will be, even if they don't win our grant, they have the information that they'll need to be able to look for other grants and be able to educationally, uh, professionally articulate what they do as a business. Yes. Um, what I've found is that through this process, because remember, this is this is a marginalized group, right? You know, women and they happen to be African-American. They've never come into contact with this level of, what's the word? Um, I guess financial support. Yeah. yeah. Right. And not only that, but they don't really understand like how intricate the like, projections are and like I tried to make the modeling really really simple and like not overcomplicated and even gave an excel sheet that like is dynamic so they can kind of mess around with it as much as they wanted to but what would you say is the most and and this is for anyone who's listening that maybe have signed up for the growth grant right Mm -hmm. what would you say to the person who is trying to find funding they have to articulate these pieces especially the financial pieces of their business what would you say to that person would be like the most important thing to mention in that area? So when, right, when you're applying for grants or funding, the one of the most obvious questions is going to be, how are you going to use those funds, right? Yeah. Like yeah. the use of funds. And that can get a lot of people hung up. Mm-hmm. And the for me the best way to think about it at is after you've gone through and looked at your budget you know take your spending and do it i, I know it's a formula but take your spending get the percentages are are how much are you spending on payroll or salaries how how much are you spending on um you know, administrative costs, how much are you spending on research? Maybe you're doing some research. How much are you spending on legal? How much are you spending on all of those categories? Get the totals, get them as a percent of the whole, and then multiply those percents to your total funding that you're requesting. And that's a very, very simple way to get your use of funds. Mm -hmm. Um, And it can be it can be really scary because I think a lot of people don't want to say the wrong thing. They want people to understand how important what they're doing, but we have to understand that when you get funding, typically it's right for a very specific thing. So Mm -hmm. if it's a hundred percent research funding, right, then your answer is very clear. You can only use it for research or if it's a hundred percent for um, development funding, those are the things. But a lot of times it's uh, 
people investing or backing you to see a long-term um, sale or growth or return. And for those areas, for those types of funding, you're going to be using that across your business um, to ensure that it's operating, to ensure that you're moving the needle forward. Um, and typically we allocate that use of funds to align with the budget and forecast. Mm. Okay. So what would you say are good elements of a budget then? Like what, what are non-negotiables that should be mentioned every single time? Oh, that's a interesting. It's loaded. Yeah, it's loaded. <laughs> right? It depends on the industry, but yeah. your salary. Okay. If you're building a business and you're trying to be the hero and you're not budgeting a salary in there, consider this. If you had the funds to go and buy a business and you looked at the books and there was no salary for the owner, what incentive would you have buying another person's business if that other person was never paying themselves? So a lot of times we have this hero complex and we want to show like we're hardworking and we've committed and we're loyal to this company that we're growing, but it's not actually in your best interest to not budget your own salary. Mm. You're your own best employee, right? You can't ask anybody else to stay up nights and weekends, you know, do the things and the sacrifice that we know that owners do. Right. The second would be um, profit. So all companies, right, need an owner that's paying themselves. They need to... um, be going for if it's a you know profit-based company but even for nonprofits right like there has to be a fund for rainy day or whatnot that can be your profit fund for for a nonprofit but anyways profit saving for taxes if you want to be a successful company and you're driving towards success one of the signals of success is a responsibility to pay taxes. Now I'm US based. Um, I don't remember if your audience is all over, but I know I work and I am in a group that's in the Netherlands. Like I know the taxes are so varied, um, but to be able to look to put aside money for taxes, you're not surprised and it doesn't put you in the hole before you even start your next year. Um, And then the rest as operating expenses. And that's kind of how I look at a budget from the highest, highest level is what are we bringing in for income? And then how is that income allocated to your um, owner's compensation, your salary to uh, what percentage of profitability, like actual hard cash, allocation to profit what are you saving for taxes and then what are you running your business on from what's left over uh and i find that that's a really simple structure that a lot of people are able to understand um and think of their business a little bit differently in that way right i'm happy you say that because you know for the last again for the last grant proposal training i I, we did three, we're doing three of them. We've already done two of the three. 
and in the last training for the financial projections part, we I asked one of the participants in the training to actually give me some figures for what they would do with the funds, right? Mm-hmm. So we went through the exercise with her business. And one of the things that we found was that she wasn't charging enough. Or the other thing was that this project wouldn't be profitable, right? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because when we just changed the prices by maybe two or three dollars, then we saw profit. Was it a lot? No, but it was profit. Um, so it's interesting you're saying that because a lot of businesses don't really look at it from that tiered system that you've outlined. And I think mm-hmm. that they would definitely benefit from having it kind of understanding that profit is a function of the re- the remainder of the funds, not the funds that come in. Does that make sense? A little, especially okay. for um, like funding, right? When we're using funds, it's how are you how are you going to spend the money in your business? When you're getting funds in, we definitely want profit to be like considered off the top, right? Because some of the business psychology is profit is an afterthought. And what you had just mentioned, if we're not considering our services and whether they're profitable or not, how are we ever going to move towards profitability if it's always an afterthought? Right. So what one of the things that I help and has been this um, really big shift in my services is taking a look at um, your profitability first. Mm-hmm. And it's part of, uh, if anybody is listening, it's part of the profit first method. I'm a certified profit first professional and I've woven it into my services because I think it's so powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, people can go years, lifetimes, right? With their businesses just scraping by. From the outside, you would have no idea but most businesses are paycheck to paycheck, right? That's why we see all of these crazy crippling statistics of business failure, right? In the first five years. Um, And it's due to cash flow. If you you don't have that system in place, you are fighting a battle, you know, from behind. No, for sure. Hmm. So- all right. How do we predict profitability then? You build it. Okay. You build it into your system. And one thing that, that can feel scary is the um, awareness that it requires to be brought to spending in your business. Mm. So I like to say that um, first knowledge, right? knowledge is power. Then we bring awareness and intention. And that's how we fast track growth and goals. And the knowledge first is being more open about money, talking about systems and how to manage money, talking literally about how to open bank accounts and like what types of bank accounts to use and to use more than one and to get more insight and clarity, and then awareness. So what are we spending our money on? Is it moving our business forward? We don't want to be operating from this position of scarcity. We want to expect abundance. However, 
we can get caught really quickly in spending faster than we're growing, right? Keeping up with the Joneses. And so bringing awareness to spending um, by the function of building in profit, building in your own salary, um, saving some money for taxes, like cash, Mm. and then seeing what's left over. Does that cover what you currently operate at for your expenses? And if it doesn't, then that's a signal to go dig further right? Um, and be more intentional about the spending that you're doing in order to, you know, uh, produce income, move the needle forward, you know, set yourself up for growth. Um, and so when we're working with an already established business, it's more like baby steps in adding profit, taking that off the top. When you're a new business, you can start looking at it as a bigger portion of your income and ensuring that one, right, your prices are enough to fund your business. Um, working, right, like I said, with all moms and women entrepreneurs, almost every time, without looking at their business, I can say your prices should be doubled. Mm. And that feels so scary, right? Like we're constantly dealing with imposter syndrome. We're constantly dealing with this feeling of not being enough. We're we're dealing with all of these things, lots of other, you know, people in business don't necessarily deal with. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so that awareness that we talked about with spending also has to be brought to um, pricing. So that's not like how to buy budget income but it's it's a, a a journey through the awareness the knowledge and the awareness to to be more intentional about profit no for sure so th- that profit first framework do you find that is very different from accounting or do you do you like one or the other or do you kind of just that's a great Set up question. Um, so if you think about accounting, um, your accounting formulas are sales minus expenses equals profit, right? Yeah. So we're focused on sales, right? Always selling, always selling, always selling more, mm-hmm. which can sometimes drive expenses yeah. um, to, to that faster, faster than sales, like we talked about, and then leaving profit as what's left over, which is most times not, not nothing, right? Um, when you flip that equation and you say sales minus profit equals expenses, so that's bringing the awareness and the intention to taking your profit and being intentional about what's left over to mm-hmm. spend in your business, that's the profit first formula. And that creates an environment that requires awareness and intention. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the saying, what gets managed, uh, what is measured is managed, managed yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and so accounting has a formula because that's what accounting is made for. It's made for reporting. It's made for investors. It's made for stakeholders, um, compliant, right? All yeah. of that compliance, but it's not made for business owners. Mm. So we need a new formula. We need a new framework. 
we need to do a mindset for business owners, a new tool to help everyone feel confident in managing their money and growing a profitable business and growing a business that pays you what you deserve and what you're worth. Right. No, that makes perfect sense. So what are, what would you say is the first consideration outside of like that formula or applying that formula? If you're working with a new business, how do you onboard them? And what are some mental shifts that they need to consider walking Mm -hmm. into like a consultation with you? Yeah. So the first thing that I like to do is we have a, a pretty long meeting and it's me gathering all of their financial data, whether it lives in financial statements or not, Mm -hmm. if it's just a bank account or talking about if it's together with personal information, why we need to separate that and the steps to do that. Um, Putting that financial information in a summary to say, what have you been doing right last year or the year before? What are the trends that I see? How is your business serving you and supporting you? Mm-hmm. How have you been paying yourself? So we get a benchmark of where you are now. And that can come with a lot of right emotions, feeling mm-hmm. very vulnerable. And I think that that is one of the driving forces of why I do what I do because it, we need more we need more compassion in finance mm-hmm. and less judgment and shame. And that's what keeps people from talking about money. Mm. That's what keeps people from, you know, fear of, of sharing big goals in case, you know, we don't, we don't make them. And this taboo and shame around money keeps, right. The underprivileged, less privileged, the underrepresented, less uh, represented um, and makes it still harder and harder to, to um, grow and, find our own voice. Anyways, so we go through this, this summary and we say, okay, this is where we are now. This is where you are now, the trend over the past one or two years, however long you've been in business. Um, and then where do you want to be as a financially healthy business? What are your personal financial goals and how is your business going to support those? What is the minimum you need to take home from your business? What is your ideal? I like to say like minimum, this is good enough. And like, this is ideal. This is really where I want to get in the next few years and breaking all of those goals down into baby steps. Mm -hmm. So if you're not putting aside cash for profit now, well, next month, let's put aside 1%, right? I like to say, if you can run your business on $100, you can run your business likely on 99, right? You're you're most likely not going to miss 1%. And so it it creates a system for building better habits in your business without feeling so overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's the first big step is figuring out where you are, right? Which means addressing, looking at financials, talking about numbers, which a lot of, a lot of times we run the other way, right? We're like run in the opposite direction. Um, But I think it feels really good to have somebody you feel safety with to go through these types of things. Um, There's lots of crying on (laughs) 
mm-hmm. on calls. Not that I'm a mean person, but just that, you know, we can feel so locked up and have nobody to talk to as a business owners and feel very isolated that um, sometimes it's so relieving to go through this with somebody that doesn't feel like they're judging you, you know? No, for sure. Yeah. I, I joke a lot about how I'm not a professional finance, um, a finance professional. I joke about how I'm a therapist. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's my undergrad degree actually came in handy a lot. Um, cause you're right. It, it is important to hold space for individuals who don't, really get what's going on and can seem overwhelming and there's just a bunch of numbers going around on spreadsheets and like Mm -hmm. they're supposed to make sense of this because for a lot of people it's do or die you know the the stakes are extremely high Mm -hmm. so yeah I, I definitely agree so once we've kind of gotten through that part of the exercise where we face our finances essentially Mm -hmm. what's next like how do we think about actually implement like what's what's the rules around implementation yeah and so that is that is case by case right I like to we have a banking partner that I love working with um one of the key elements where people usually fall down and when they try to do this alone is setting up bank accounts Mm. either changing banks finding a bank that is has no minimums, no monthly maintenance fees, right? And and no other sneaky types of charges for you to have, you know, certain number of daily transactions or direct deposits or whatnot. Um, I I believe is key to having a system like this that that brings you this awareness and moves you forward. Uh, and that can be really hard to find that type of bank and really emotionally and draining, right? So many people can go out and read the Profit First book. It has changed so many lives, um, but there's a reason why there are trained Profit First professionals is because a lot of people don't make it past the bank accounts. And it for something that is so life-changing, the thing that's stopping people being bank accounts is just sad. It's terrible that banking, at least in the U S is this awful thing that nobody wants to go and like be in person. And many banks require you to be in person. So depending on the type of um, industry, what they're doing, what banking setup they already have, we uh, set up online banking for them. Um, with no minimums, no fees, real people that I adore and love working with. And um, we implement the the goals that we have each each of those buckets like profit and um, owners pay and taxes and operating expenses. We set up those buckets in their banking so they can see now, when they get paid, how those payments, how that income from customers or clients gets allocated to those buckets. Like, do you know when a client pays you $10,000, what chunk of that goes to your own personal bank account? What chunk of that supports your operating and administrative expenses? What portion of that should you be setting aside for taxes? 
um, and by setting up your bank accounts in a way to um, have separation allows you to see that more clearly. Is that process automated? It can be. Yeah. Okay. So like whenever you, for so let's say, for example, I use um, Shopify as mm -hmm. a pay, as a POS, whenever I get paid or whenever they have a payout, it can just go into my bank accounts and be split according to four different accounts. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And so I like to walk through, right. And have like a few weeks or a few months, depending on the comfort level. Um, I, I like doing it on my own, um, certain pieces until you get to a spot where you're like, I feel comfortable. I know my percentages, what I'm allocating now here, bank, like go do it automatically. And so that's part of like adding automations in for the things that shouldn't, you shouldn't be taking time to make decisions on. Um, but for the beginning, it's, it's a little bit of getting comfortable with the system and then adding automation. That makes sense. Okay. Are you a minority woman entrepreneur struggling to secure grant funding for your business? Introducing the six-figure funding formula for minority woman entrepreneurs. This is the ultimate course designed specifically to empower you with the knowledge, tools, and strategies to successfully position your business for grant funding. Imagine unlocking the full potential of grant funding, growing your business, and joining a community of successful women entrepreneurs who have already transformed their business through our proven program. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity. Visit the six-figure funding link below to enroll in our waiting list. The spots are limited. Sign up today and start your journey towards grant success. So yeah. we've gotten through the mental hurdles. We've automated this process as much as possible. Yeah. What's the last and final step do you think is like important to work through or implement like how does what, what's the last piece celebration mm. so part of this whole right you're you're adding steps adding work quote unquote to somebody's process right no longer are they everything coming into one account and then they you know charge or pay out from that one account you're you're creating a tool but that tool requires a little bit more effort but the payoffs are outstanding, right? So that getting used to that effort, bringing more awareness can be hard, it mentally challenging. Um, putting aside money for profit, we want to be celebrating with that profit. So no longer like constantly reinvesting everything you have, all of your savings, like never getting paid, right? For your business. We want to be championing a new wave of businesses that are started and that support the lifestyle and that serve the business owner. So we're adding to the like more emotionally healthy, you know, people out there who own businesses and are doing good in the world. And so celebrating your profitability is huge to continuing that momentum that you're seeing with the extra effort that you're putting into this. Um, so we have our clients create celebration lists. So that way every quarter when they pay themselves their first, second, 
10th, 20th profit distribution, they can celebrate all the effort um, and all the sacrifice that they've put into their business, uh, which we think is really important as a business owner. You're doing, you're doing um, the most work. You're you're carrying the heaviest load of stress and of you know the to do list always in your head, and and you should get not only compensated fairly your, for your work via salary, but you're carrying the liability. You know. Um, so you should get compensated with a bonus quarterly. Mm, okay. That I love that. I love the celebration piece. Cause that's no one really talks about that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we're all suffering. <laughs> it's uh, like, it's more about the suffering and the hustle and the grind. Right. But we should be celebrating our profitability. That's awesome. I love that. Okay. So if we wanted to get in touch with you, how would we do that? I am on LinkedIn at Gabby Kelly. I am on Instagram at the WEM, fin- uh, WEM Financial. You can email me, Gabby at WEM.co. That's G-A-B-B-I-E because I like to be, you know, complicated. Um, but I would love to hear from every- anybody in the audience profit first questions, jumping on a game plan call. A lot of times I jump on, I do free game plan calls. So we jump on a call and I just ask a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, that has been so helpful to understand one, other people's businesses and their journey. And that's one of my favorite things that I do besides doing podcasts. Um, But two, I like to be able to say, I think I can help you or I think right now, I don't think that this is the right time for X, Y, and Z. I think you can do this instead. A a lot of times I send out, send people free profit first books. um, If they've never read it before, great resource and tool. Um, Two, if it's not the right time for us, maybe I know somebody else in my network that is like, is it sales and marketing that really is going to move your business forward? Is it other areas of your business that need work before we um before it makes sense to work together uh mm-hmm. right i think cash management you need it at every part of your business but i also am very conscious of you know what my group costs and the effort and energy it requires and where people are um in their business and and what that would mean for them so uh life-changing work to work on, understand, systematize, and automate as much as you can your cash flow um, management. Um, But there are other ways, you know, to work at, work at that than necessarily my group coaching program, you know. (laughs) Gotcha, you know, of course. So what, um, why did you decide to use a coaching, like a group coaching format or business model instead of like one-to-one or... Mm -hmm. Um, like a course or something like that. Yeah, I love talking about this because I started doing one-to-one and um, I realized that one, I wanted to work with many more people mm-hmm. and as one person providing the service, um, I was constrained by time and I have two daughters at home. Um, I am very conscious about, you know, the time I'm on for work and the time I'm away and present with them. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to be, you know, scheduling one-on-ones 
you know, during their daycare pickup or bedtime or whatnot in order to help and serve more people. The second thing is that whenever I worked with people, we were always trying to brainstorm a community, Mm -hmm. right? As women and mom business owners, we are starving for community. Um, even with like remote work, just being more and more and more isolated. And I was struggling to figure out like, how could I bring an in-person feel, community feel to helping clients, right? I work with clients all over the U.S. And um, also with a course, I've built a course for my coaching program. So I've been able to wrap that in to my money, uh, money well program to be able to serve and help women without being one-on-one with me. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I joined a few coaching programs, group coaching programs, and as soon as I started seeing results, which was way, way faster than anybody I'd worked on one-on-one with, I was, I was like, this is it. This is the, this is the answer to the things that I've been wanting to do, help more people at a more reasonable cost and increase community. Right. And so I, I feel like even I was scared of group coaching. I wanted one-on-one. I wanted Thing, I want to be able to do things faster with more personalized support. I realize that in a group coaching program that's done well, you get all of that plus a mastermind effect with other women in their businesses, driven, committed, um, giving feedback um, from so many other different perspectives. So for me, it was the, this aha moment that catapulted my business to be able to serve, you know, like I talked about so many more women creating a community, like, you know, just that supported feeling while bringing my service and a curriculum, a course. Um, so it really, it really allows in my experience, another level of support versus one-on-one. Okay. Oh, right. That's interesting. Because I never really understood how the group coaching really worked and how like the benefits outweigh like maybe a one-on-one or maybe it doesn't have to outweigh it. It just, you know, as as uh, efficient as a one-on-one. Could you talk right. about like what a group training session looks like? Yeah. Um, and I feel you, Natalie. I When I was searching for specific thing like Last year, I was looking for some sales and marketing help, and I interviewed people. And the one I wanted to go with was a group program. And I just kept being like, can I pay you more for one-on-one services? Yeah, right. No, you will see, you still get personalized support. And so um, what our call, like what a group coaching looks like for my program is bringing people together in a space that allows for one-on-one questions. So uh, the women come, everybody, if they have a question, they can note that in the comments. And then we go one by one 
by the by the order in which people come and have say they have a question, we talk about their question. We I jump on into their financials because I've created you know Google Docs and Google Google Sheets for everything. We're working through right this vulnerable thing with other people that creates this um, closeness and like I said, mastermind level people asking for feedback. Um, but you still get the one-on-one support. So we work through everybody on one call weekly. Um, and that's another thing I've been able to to come with weekly support, whereas I was doing one-on-ones monthly, which are fine, um, but you get so much more, right? You more availability for support and questions on a weekly basis. And being weekly, if you miss one or can't make it, it's not the end of the world, Right missing one out of 52 or 50 is different than missing one out of 12. Um, That makes sense. Yeah. And so I, I am such a huge believer in a group program done well. Mm -hmm. Now I haven't been a part of group programs, not done well, but I've heard, um, you know, that I'm, of course they're out there. Uh, so I have a whole like what to make sure if you're looking into group programs, um, I have a whole post on LinkedIn and Instagram about the things to to look out for, um, for, for interviewing and deciding researching group programs. Mm, okay. Yeah. I'm going to check that out. I never considered it, but it's a, it, it's definitely a better way to capture a bigger audience. Mm-hmm. Um so like, you know how like daycare centers have like a cap on the ratio of kids to teacher. Do you got, do you also use that model as well? Um, I, I would say that I'm open to that, but I haven't had to use it. Okay. I'm in programs with like 25 women all over the world. And I've never had, I've shown up when I don't have a question and I've learned things, you know, I've missed sessions where I couldn't go. I've shown up and got my question in or thought of a question at the end. And it has never been a problem to mm-hmm. feel like I didn't have enough um, time or, you know, support um, there. So I'm open to that, to split it. You know, if there's something that makes sense down the road in a year or two or whatnot, that may make sense to create two programs. But um, for right now, I, I haven't had to implement that or have, and also haven't had feedback that that, you know, is needed. Right. No, that makes sense. Okay. Awesome. So for anyone that's looking for like a group program format and, they're they're really interested in understanding the dynamics of that. I'm glad you answered those questions because yeah, someone like me is just like mm, I'd rather one on one. A lot of people come into my world looking for one on one, and we talk. We have to talk a lot about what a group program looks like. But I would say also for people listening, for your own services, right? I never expected when I launched WEM that I would be going into group until I saw it. And, and understood what it could do for me as a business owner, mm-hmm. providing a service. Um, so getting somebody to also think outside of the box on what you're providing and what it would do for you 
what is the what is the impact on your your work week like um the pricing what would that structure do for you so it would be a good exercise for anybody listening to go look at would group programs work for them yeah definitely I'm yeah I'm definitely gonna check that out and I'll leave a link in the show notes as well so thank you for that yeah okay so just one more time where everybody can reach you because I know we kind of like yeah a different topic before (laughs) more time so uh you can reach me via email gabby at wem.co that's g-a-b-b-i-e at wem w-e-m dot c-o um, via my website, wem.co, there's free trainings, um, on my website as well, talking about what it's similar things to what we discussed today and what it's like to be, you know, on a cash flow roller coaster with your business. Uh, and on Instagram and LinkedIn is where I'm also very active, um, you know, engaging with the community and, uh, writing a lot of posts and content, um, educational content. So happy to have, um, anybody reach out there as well. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much, Gabby. Thank you, Natalie. Of course. Thank you for tuning into Mental Money, where we've explored the transformative power of mindset in your financial journey. Remember your potential knows no bounds. Now it's time to take action. Start by subscribing to our podcast to never miss an empowering episode. Join our vibrant community of minority women in business by following us on social media. Connect with like-minded individuals, share your story, and gain exclusive insights to fuel your success. Visit our website, mentalmoneypodcast.com for valuable resources, show notes, and bonus content. And don't forget to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback helps us grow and reach even more ambitious women like yourself. Together, let's break barriers, shatter glass ceilings, and rewrite the rules of success. Keep empowering your mindset and remember, with mental money, your financial future is limitless.